Well, welcome everybody to the Contemplating Christian, where we seek to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And my name is Will, and this is Samuel Webb. And today we're going to be talking about a cool, really cool topic that we're excited about that we um, think is kind of not talked about a lot, not talked about enough, perhaps, given how much it is talked about in scripture. And that is the topic of fasting. So the spiritual discipline of fasting. So we're going to talk about what is it? Why do it? Uh, what is it for? What does scripture say about fasting? What are the benefits of it uh, from a spiritual perspective? And why you might want to think about and pray about doing it in your own life. So what is fasting? Uh, I think a lot of people might have ideas about what fasting is from maybe like the fitness world or nutritional stuff or intermittent fasting, things like that. Or they just think of fasting as like fasting from social media um, or something like that. But Biblically speaking, fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. So other types of fasting are certainly valuable. Uh, so something like a social media fast, but biblical fasting is abstaining from food. That's the kind of fasting that we see in scripture. And so we just want to kind of open the discussion with a simple definition as we kickstart this whole discussion and talk about, as we talk about fasting and its importance. Mr. Samuel, what are your thoughts on fasting? Yeah, yeah, it is a, it's a lost practice. I will say that. And fasting today, I think a lot of people do use it just for health benefits or fitness benefits, which again, isn't a bad thing. But I think if we truly want to unlock it and actually understand it, we have to look into the spiritual aspect of it and really it's just this idea of having the spirit rule over the physical body. That's really the importance of it. So um, as we're going through it, that's kind of like the main message right there. And right. Um, we're basically just going to go through all the biblical evidence and, and everything like that. But yeah, I think the, the main thing is we should clarify all the misconceptions of fasting or uh, add on to all of the current ideas about fasting. Right. I think it's a, a practice that uh, has kind of maybe been taken from like the church's spirituality and has kind of just been replaced into like the fitness world or something like that. And so the only place where people hear about fasting is not in the church at all, even though it's been, I would say, a, an essential discipline for Christians for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So we seek to change that. We both uh, have benefited from it and have, I think, grown spiritually from fasting. And all throughout scripture, we are commanded to humble ourselves. So that's a consistent command all throughout scripture to humble ourselves. Um, and we think that fasting is self-humbling. So fasting is like a tangible, embodied way that we can humble ourselves before God, that God gives us to humble ourselves. It's not just us thinking about it. It's actually us doing something with our bodies that uh, enacts us humbling ourselves in a, in a real physical way. So all, all throughout scripture, see in Matthew 18, uh, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Or humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you in James 4. 1 Peter 5, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So there's in all sorts of places where scripture commands us to humble ourselves and fasting is a tangible means of self humbling where we actually discipline our body into submission, basically as Paul talks about as well. 
So fasting is a great way to do that. And it's not, again, not just a mental exercise, but a physical exercise of doing that, of, of humbling. So I'm going to go through some scriptural examples of it. It's all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. Fun mm -hmm. fact, uh, fasting is actually mentioned more times in scripture than baptism, which is pretty crazy. So fasting is mentioned something like 77, 78 times in scripture, whereas baptism is only mentioned like 75 times. We hear a lot more about baptism, and obviously baptism is super important. Um, but fasting is mentioned more in scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes it's missed as well because in scripture, sometimes it'll, uh, it'll say like in the Psalms, I afflicted myself. And what it means equally is I fasted. So uh, for example, David in Psalm 35 says, but I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. So, and there are other places where it'll say, I afflicted myself or afflict yourselves. And it'll say down in the footnotes of your Bible um, or fasting or, or he fasted instead of affliction or afflicted yourself. So it can mean kind of the same thing. Um, and we see it in the Psalms all over the place. We see it in Ezra uh, with the exiles returning from Babylon. We see it with uh, Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. He calls a whole corporate fast for the whole people of Judah. We see it in Chronicles. We see it in uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, all of the Israelites were commanded to fast in the law. So all of them were supposed to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. Uh, New Testament, obviously Jesus in the desert, he fasts and uh, 40 days. It's the longest fast we see in scripture. Pretty brutal. Don't recommend trying that right away. Um, and he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, how he says when you fast. So there's this expectation that Christians will be fasting. We see it in the book of Acts when uh, the elders are, or the, the early leaders of the church, the apostles are um, seeking to make this decision and follow the Holy Spirit. And they fast in order to prep to make that decision. Uh, we see it in 2 Corinthians uh, 6. Paul talks about um, basically uh, there's kind of a hint of how he's like watching in intentional sleepless nights and he's fasting and hunger. Um, and so there's all these different places where scripture mentions fasting. And so we think we should kind of meditate on these scriptures and see why is it mentioned so much. That, uh, that actually does point something out about this, I think, which mm -hmm. is it's the proper response from a scriptural point of view. Um, yeah. So, when it comes to situations in our lives and uh, whatever we're doing, we we tend uh, again today to think of fasting as just beneficial for our health or something like that, which is actually turning something that's supposed to humble us before God and turning it into something um, more vain, right? Yeah. But um, in those scriptural passages that you that you say, obviously, there are some instructing passages, so there's um, pedagogical ones, mm -hmm. but there are also ones from stories. And so from these stories we can learn from, so uh, like David or mm -hmm. something like that, when, when it shows that he fasted for a certain reason, that shows us that that's actually the proper response. Right? Whereas um, it's a lost spiritual discipline today because Christians today, when something happens, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they don't respond with fasting. Really. They, right. they might respond with prayer or worship or reading the Bible or going to church or something like that. But yeah. they don't, uh, they don't respond 
with fasting, which is actually one of the most important responses when it comes to the spiritual disciplines. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's it's a way that uh, when we sin, there is a tendency in our own hearts to not actually have our have our mind and our emotions not actually feel rightly about it have like we don't often feel rightly we often still feel kind of cold and like we didn't actually care that we sinned even and i think that fasting is given to us by god as a way to intensify uh our repentance and to intensify this feeling of um mourning over sin and it's just a physical really tangible practical way to do that uh Mm. really well because it intensifies everything about your spirit your, your oh yeah it's because i want to be focused on uh this person's salvation and i want to pray for this or i want to focus on killing this sin in my life so i want to mm-hmm. focus on self-control these other things like that and it's important to state at the outset that um we have to be fat if we're going to fast um then we should be fasting for the right purposes so um fasting is not a way to earn god's favor it's not something that uh, earns your salvation or you become a super Christian once you start fasting or anything like that. Um, that is treating fasting as an end in and of itself when it's not. Fasting is a means to an end. It's a means to the end of greater dependence on God. So we must fast for the right motives. Um, and we, mm. the Pharisees are probably pretty good at fasting. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. And uh, actually, what I, what I was going to point out is our first, so our first contemplation in our first podcast was on Plato, right? And his rightly ordered society. I think this is actually a discipline for the rightly ordered society because obviously a society that is run by appetites and desires for fleshly things, they aren't going to fast, right? Yeah. That, that might be why it's a lost discipline today. And, um, or, or it's, it's become a discipline to appease our fleshly desires instead of lord ourselves over our fleshly desires so we do it to look better we do it to um to satisfy that part of us or we do it to be uh physically healthier um or uh have a better uh, have a better status or something like that but when it's truly to lord over our fleshly desires and and humble ourselves. So going back to that idea of a rightly ordered society, that might be one reason why it's not practiced anymore. And yeah, there, there are, uh, there are the Pharisees, right? Mm -hmm. If we're going to another biblical example, um, they obviously did things uh, incorrectly. Um, So they would do stuff and kind of seek man's attention so jesus actually says they they have received their reward right yeah. um and i think again that's one thing it has become so like people are fasting out there in public like um fitness influencers when they yeah. fast they got their reward right they're they're seeking uh they're either seeking the attention of of their clients or they're doing it for themselves right right uh so yeah there we go Right. And Jesus says, yeah, the Pharisees basically give an example of what not to do in all these different spiritual disciplines in prayer and in fasting and fasting. They make a big show of it. They are out in the streets, disfiguring their faces and making it obvious that they're fasting, things like that. And Jesus says, don't do that. Uh, when you fast, don't make a big fuss about it. Just wash your face, clean yourself up, uh, make yourself presentable and go live your life like a normal person and mm-hmm. don't 
act like it's the end of the world because you're kind of hungry um, because then yeah. you've already received your reward, which is the uh, notice of men. Yeah. Um, so we don't want fasting to become a God isn't impressed when we just self-inflict suffering to try mm -hmm. to impress him. That, that doesn't uh, gain favor with God in any way. God has his unchanging love set on his people. And so when you're a Christian, there's not, you know, um, fasting doesn't make God's love for you grow a little bit brighter or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's a means to grow closer to him. Um, yeah. Here's a question. Here's a question. Uh, so it says when you fast. So there's, you, you mentioned the expectation. There's an expectation of fasting. And the question is then this, does that mean it's a command? Because I have heard that response before. So when I, when I point out, oh, hey, it's an expectation. Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast, does yeah. that make it on the same level as a command? So are we morally bound to it or spiritually bound to it on the same degree of the other moral commands in, mm. in the Bible? All right. Cause I, I've heard some people say, yeah, it's technically not a command. It's just an expectation of something we need to do. Yeah. I, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about it. I wouldn't put it in the category of a command um, that like I would bind the consciences of Christians to follow consistently because the, the thing with fasting is you can't, um, there's no scriptural um, guidelines for like how often uh, it's, it's, I think it's supposed to be an occasional thing. It's supposed to be a sort of occasional responsive thing. There's mm -hmm. no guidelines for like, you must fast once a week or um, certainly in the new covenant, we don't have a, we're not yoked to a certain specific, you know, you fast once a year on this specific day or you fast every Wednesday or anything like that. Um, I think it's completely fine to have Christians who, uh, because it's a certain time of the year, they fast or they have like a corporate fast where they're expected to fast on, mm -hmm. you know, during Lent or Ash Wednesday or Good Friday or something like that. I think that's totally fine, but I don't think we can biblically bind the conscience of Christians to any certain regulation of fasting. But I still think like um, like in the same way, we can't say you have to pray X amount or something like that as a Christian, but you're expected to pray and you're expected to pray a lot mm -hmm. as a Christian. You're supposed to pray without ceasing. Um, it's an expectation. And I think it's part of a healthy Christian life, but I wouldn't put it as a command, although it might be a squirmy answer. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was just thinking of other parts in, in scripture where it might fall under. So when yeah. uh, when Paul says discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, all right. Yeah. If fasting is a discipline, would it fall under a command like that? So it might not be a specific command of like, hey, you better fast, but right. um it may fall under a direct command. So it may be like an indirect command, right? Yeah. So it's just uh Obviously, we're told as Christians to behave a certain way, right? Yeah. So if the spiritual disciplines are that, then fasting would fall under it. So if it, if discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness is a command, then perhaps all that other stuff would uh, would fall. Yeah, yeah, would fall under that. Now, it would also seem silly to say that we don't have to do these disciplines, right? Because... If you think about it, those other expectations, they aren't commands technically. But if right. you didn't do them, someone wouldn't think you're a Christian, right? So like praying, 
Um, in the yeah. New Testament, uh, obviously there's an expectation of praying. I don't think there's a straight up command of you are commanded to pray or something right. like that, but there's an expectation of doing it and instructions on how to do it. And if we as Christians didn't pray, people would be like, ah, oh, are you Christian? Right. Or same with, <clears throat> let's just like include all the spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible. That's a spiritual discipline. If we yeah. were Christians and we didn't read the Bible, people would probably be like, well, are, are you actually a, a Christian there? Or, you know, if, if you look into any of the spiritual disciplines right there and we didn't do them for so many other of those, we would go straight to the idea of, wow, yeah, if you don't do those, you probably aren't acting like a Christian. Uh, yeah. But then when we get to fasting, people are like, oh, well, you don't have to do it, you know? Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think that's kind of all the spiritual disciplines could be lumped into that. Of mm. They are not, we don't want to put them in the category of um, what saves you, uh, but they are the consistent ways in which a Christian acts out his faith in God and uh, grows in grace um, throughout his sanctification, mm. his or her sanctification. And it's the ways that are the, the means that God has given to grow. And so I, I like Second uh, uh, Peter 1 says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control mm. and it goes on, but make every effort. So that's this, there's, um, so our salvation is incompatible with the word earning. We don't earn it. Um, but the whole process of the Christian life is not incompatible with the term effort. The Christian mm. life requires lots of effort. We should be wholeheartedly trying every day in our Christian life to grow in godliness, to um, to basically grow in self-mastery, self-control, virtue. Mm. Um, and so sometimes we are lax on that. And as long as we have it in the right place of this isn't earning your salvation, but it is growing, growing your walk, um, then we should be comfortable with saying things like make every effort. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, other reasons to fast, uh, John Piper calls, uh, fasting an intensifier for prayer. So I'd say a lot of the kind of, you should put just like you should put scripture and prayer together, uh, fasting and prayer should go together. So it is, it is an amplifier or an intensifier for your prayer life. Um, I love, uh, Derek Prince is this, uh, old pastor that had a book just on fasting, a little book. It's really, really good. And I encourage you all to read it. And he says, the essential nature of fasting is renouncing the natural to invoke the supernatural. That's a great quote. So mm. basically you are um, seeking to grow in uh, your awareness of the spiritual realm, uh, to live in the unseen realm, and to uh, basically put off the constant reminders of your fleshly desires and things like that by going to prayer and seeking God more in prayer and fasting. Mm. Yeah. Um, so uh, that is another reason to intensify prayer. Yeah. Uh, so actually, so on that, so for intensifying prayer, I feel like, so today, obviously we have a lot of, so I believe we have a lack of intellectual Christianity, right? A lot of people go by their feelings. Mm-hmm. And if we're really 
this this should actually be a reason for them to fast because if if people are going by their feelings and they like to feel the presence of God or something like that, um, and fasting lords herself over the natural and invokes the supernatural, people should be fasting all the time if they want to actually uh, experience the supernatural, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's I don't know. That's just one thing. I noticed right there. Right. And if if people really are just trying to go by their feelings, they should not not fast. They should uh yeah, they should just fast. Right. Um, a, I think it's yeah. a part of wholeheartedness or earnestness mm. in prayer or seeking God. Part of it is not just trying to attempt to do that in our mind. I'm going to seek God now by closing my eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's the whole person is involved. It's it's a whole body seeking God, of mm. disciplining your body. It's it's the only really. It's the spiritual discipline in which your body's actually involved in, in mm-hmm. a very very real way. And so it is. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic for that. Um, other really cool like just scriptural examples. There is um, there are places in scripture in which fasting seems to actually like change the course of history in certain ways. So from that, from Derek Prince's book, there are examples of, well, so think of like the story of Jonah where Mm. uh, Nineveh is called to repent. And there's a whole, we should do a whole podcast just on Jonah and all the, the literary stuff going on in the book of Jonah, because it's great, Uh, but uh, Nineveh and, um, and also Israel when they're under Persian rule in the Old Testament, there are examples of basically fasting changing history or fasting being a part of what is a pivotal turning point in a his, in the history of a nation. And so Jonah, of course, in Jonah 3, it says, uh, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So he goes to Nineveh and he rebukes Nineveh, calls them to repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. And then because of that, they, uh, it says in verse nine, who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster they had said he would do to them and he did not do it. So fasting was an essential component for the Ninevites not dying under God's wrath. Um, He said he saw what they did. That was an essential element of their turning, which ended up making them not die. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. And there, there are two things that contribute to that. So one is fasting. And then the two is mass participation. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I'm not talking about like participating in the Catholic mass. I'm talking about like masses and like a lot of people participating. Right. Um, <clears throat> so mass participation. And so we see those two elements there. And if we try to apply them to today, so America one, I just think individuals' lives would be improved by fasting and that we should bring back the discipline of fasting. And if, and that in itself could change things. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, this, this is definitely uh, going to, uh, is going to take a grand miracle for this next thing to happen, but for America to turn, um, to turn away from its ways yeah. and 
like do some type of mass prayer and fasting and worship thing, there would have to be some type of uh, revival much bigger than, you know, something that was recent. Wasn't it like the Asbury revival or yeah. something like that? Yeah. It would have to be uh, on a much bigger scale than that type of revival where America fasted and prayed and changes it changed its ways. Um, and if that happened, then it could uh, redirect the way things are going. Because a lot of people would say that uh, God has relinquished his blessing from our country or something like that because right. of what's going on. And so like, that's just in my mind, what, like, how could it not do, how could it not change something if all of America were to just like fast and pray for just like a week and then like uh, change their lives like that, that would drastically change the direction we're going probably in every respect. I think mm -hmm. that's really good. I think, um, I think revivals throughout history have come about by intense prayer and fasting when they've happened, they've come mm -hmm. like gen genuine revivals that actually like first great awakening type stuff mm -hmm. that comes about by tremendous prayer, tremendous fasting, seeking God in that way. Um, another example that I think is really, really cool. This is from second Chronicles 20. This is Jehoshaphat uh calling a fast to the people of judah and it says some men came and told Jehoshaph jehoshaphat a great i'm gonna name my kid that <laughs> jehoshaphat <laughs> it's great a great multitude is coming against you from edom from beyond the sea and behold they are in hot sazan tamar that is Engedi. then jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all judah and judah assembled to seek help from the lord from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Mm. And then it says later in the same chapter, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So this great declaration of dependence on God, but a critical aspect of that was this huge group of people coming together to fast. Mm. It's really, really cool. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of different of an example this time. So in, in Nineveh with Jonah, uh, yeah. they fasted in response to what they were doing to not incur the wrath of God. This time they're doing it for the, uh, their protection. enemies. Yeah. For yeah. protection. So it's, it's not just, Oh, I don't want to incur God's wrath. So I'm going to fast. And in fact, if it was just that a lot of people would just be like, Oh yeah, that's God ruling by fear or something. I don't know. Yeah. But if we also see that people are fasting for other reasons like protection or maybe healing or yeah. um, to increase their, uh, their righteousness or relationship with God, then yeah. that would actually give us reason to fast. Um, so we see in Joel two, this uh, returning to the Lord, it says, return to me yet, even now return to me with all your heart, uh, with all your, um, with all your heart, with mourning, with weeping, and with fasting. And so there's, again, this pairing between fasting and repentance that is uh, just always tied together in the Old Testament, very, very often, it seems. And it's this, um, in the same way that the Old Testament talks about mourning and sackcloth and ashes. Again, there's this emphasis on the physical nature of repentance that I don't think we even, we don't really have anything like that today as Christians yeah. that we do. And it, it's this way of saying that I'm an embodied creature and what I do with my body matters. 
And so I think, uh, especially evangelicals, we kind of struggle with any sort of bodily activity involved with our worship. Mm. Um, and so like all we do, we'll, we'll, we'll raise our hands with worship, but so some, some of us do, I, mm. I feel like I'm, I'm somebody that isn't very, uh, expressive physically. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, these sort of physical expressions of repentance and things like that are always shocking to me. Cause I'm like, wow, if I saw somebody doing that, I'd be like, come on, they're making this huge scene. But in the old Testament, people are commanded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, okay. It, it might be a big jump and maybe not the number one thing on our list to, to get done when it comes to fasting for a nation uh, of like that physical part of like, you know, like ripping our clothes or covering ourselves yeah. with ash or something. A lot of people might think that's uh, a little much. So I, I would one suggest that we just start with getting people too fast instead of, uh, yeah. instead of like ripping their clothing or something like that. But sure. there is that physical aspect of fasting, which would at a level of spiritual maturity be incredible. I actually, I always think of, job right mm -hmm. and when when all the bad stuff happened to him he he just employed like every spiritual discipline right there um yeah. which was he he basically was like meditating and thinking and uh talking with his friends about scripture but also before that before they even started talking and uh interacting with each other and interacting with god they sat in silence for a week they uh, Job shaved his head, ripped his clothes. Uh, they they all sat in silence, didn't do anything. Pretty sure they fasted. Um, yeah. And like, dang, that's incredible, right there. Think of, yeah. think of doing that. No, I don't. I don't think a person would today. I yeah, maybe not in America at least. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, just this morning, I was reading. Uh, in like my in my Bible plan, I was in First Chronicles, and it's talk. I think it's in chapter nine or ten. And it's talking about how Saul dies, King Saul dies, and when he died, it describes his death. How he asks his armor bearer to kill him so that he's not killed by the uh, Philistines. But then his armor bearer is too scared, and so Saul just kills himself. He he lays on his own sword and and dies, and then um, he gets taken off, and basically his his head's defiled and all these things by the Philistines, all that sort of nasty stuff yeah. um, that they do with him. But then they, the uh, Israelites come back and try to take the remaining bones and whatnot. And then they fast for seven days just because their King died and Jonathan died. And it's like, wow, there's just this consistent um, theme of like in response to significant events or in great in times of great need or when you're wanting god to act in a certain way or do something you fast and it's just this very natural response that i just don't feel like people have it all today yeah it's a it's a response we'd have to work at it would have to become second nature so we'd have to constantly do it until it became a natural response right yeah so one thing i want to talk about is just specifically for a little bit fasting as a means to kill sin um because I think this is just something that both of us have have tried to employ and just uh, I think have found value in. Yeah. And so this kind of the self control mortifying the flesh aspect of fasting. You see, Romans eight thirteen says, uh, "If by the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live." And so I think fasting is a way that we can go about doing that. 
So I would say somebody like if you're um, if you're somebody who's stuck in habitual sin, let's say it's uh, something like pornography or lust, and you are in this consistent cycle of failing and repenting and failing and repenting, I would um, think about trying to fast and like in response to you falling or sinning, uh, I would employ a fast for yourself. And uh, something that I know uh, we've gone about doing is like um, in times where we've fallen, then it's like you increase the number of meals <laughs> that you fast after. Um, so if, 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 if you fall, then it's okay, I'm going to fast for 24 hours. And then you go to 36. And then you, <laughs> you keep increasing it. That's it. That is a serious and you don't go don't go into that with a faint heart but that's a very serious way to commit yourself to disciplining the body and killing sin in your life that i think is mm. really really powerful <clears throat> yeah and then and again that can go for any sin yeah uh, so like greed if you find yourself being greedy or or vanity or sloth uh so if you're being lazy and aren't yeah. doing anything the response is fasting yeah and the the practice, again, we have employed anytime it comes to battling any type of habitual sin is increasing the time or yep. what we do. So start with one day, then go another 12 hours, then another. And that's like, if if like once you're done with the fast, you just go right back to it, boom. Fast. Obviously, you probably did not fast enough right there if you <laughs> just went straight back to it. So. Yep. Add a, add a few more hours onto it and just keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what, you, and what you start to realize when you're in the midst of like a gnarly fast is like, that just isn't worth it. I'm so done. And when you, <laughs> yeah. and when you really um, train your conscience in that way to like, okay, now I need to, I know what I need to do. I need to respond in this way. This is an appropriate way for me to respond, not to earn back my salvation, but it's a, it's a, it is a way of, expressing to it, like actually putting ourselves in the place of I'm responding rightly to the sin mm. and taking it seriously. And when we actually do that, uh, you start to realize like, this is just not worth it. This sucks. Yeah. And I am, it really treats sin seriously and it yeah. actually causes yourself to treat sin seriously. It's not just a fake thing. It actually puts your spirit into that place where it's like mourning mm. and it's just really powerful. Yeah, it can it can do that to your soul, and it do, does have a physical toll on your on your body as well. And I would I would actually there there are different modes of fasting. So obviously, generally in um in the Bible, we see just people just not eating food, boom, just cutting it out or something like that. But I mean, we have heard of things uh, such as like the Daniel fast, right? Yeah. Or some some people just eat nuts and fruit. Yep. Uh, and they fast for a longer period of time. Cause obviously if we were to sit down and just cut out all food for like six months, <laughs> that would obviously not be good. Um, right. so obviously drinking a lot of water, but if you wanted to do an extended period of fasting or the spiritual discipline, you could do a modified fast of like, Hey, nuts and fruit or, yeah. uh, just vegetables or, or, or something like that, like a very minimal amount of food, something that won't really fill you up, but give you some energy or something like that. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's yeah, totally right. And there's all these sorts of gradual ways in which 
no matter who you are and whatever kind of health situation you're in, that fasting can still apply uh, in safe, safer ways. Or if you're a beginner to it, or if you're scared to do it, there are ways to kind of on ramp into it that are pretty easy. So you can do fast, like fast from coffee or mm. fast, fast, uh, where all you're going to do is eat like plain bread with nothing on it yeah. or just rice, things like that, where you're clearly, or just eating less. There's a, uh, where you're still like causing the hunger to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, you can fast for just one meal. You don't have to fast for two days. You don't have to fast for 40 days. You can literally yeah. fast for a meal where you just, okay, I'm going to skip lunch this week. I'm going to mm -hmm. skip lunch tomorrow. Um, and in that time, I'm going to instead, instead of just accidentally skipping lunch, I'm going to intentionally skip lunch so that I can pray for X, Y, Z. Yeah. I think that's, that's really where you, that's where yeah, the benefit is. That is, I mean, that, that also is key right there, especially if you aren't cutting out all food, right? Right. If, um, if you are fasting, you have to re replace that time with a spiritual discipline, which is why fasting is always paired with prayer. What are yeah. you going to do in that time that you used to eat? Uh, you have to do something. You can either replace it with something good or something bad. Those are your options, right? right. You can't replace it with nothing. You can't sit there and literally just do nothing. In fact, if you did nothing at some point that would become laziness and which is something bad. Uh, right. so it has to be something, uh, unless you're doing the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude, but that would include like meditating on, on the scripture or God or something like that it has to be, you have to be doing something. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's just like, I'm just struck again, just with the, the 40 day fast is just like, that's just a serious thing to meditate over <laughs> yeah. as somebody that you, like I've, I think the most I've ever fasted is maybe like 36 hours and that's brutal. That is not mm -hmm. fun at all. And like to think about, to think about that is actually just stunning first of all. And yeah. just asking the question, why did Jesus even do that? You know, there's like to really just think about that. Cause he's, He's perfect. He's sinless. He's the most self-controlled person that's ever existed in human nature. He's perfect in every way. Why did he fast for 40 days? Was it simply just to, you know, um, like a typology between 40 days in the wilderness and then him yeah. in the wilderness? That's part of it. But there's certainly much more reasons. Um, so it's just crazy to really meditate on why Jesus fasted, um, mm. which I think is just, it's a stunning thing to think about. And I think... Uh, one thing I've heard, uh, so Don Whitney is a professor at, at Southern, and he has written a book about spiritual disciplines. He talks a lot about that, he talks about fasting. And he said, basically, if there's something weighing heavily on you that you want God's help with, you should fast about it. So like he asked a question rhetorically, have you ever desired somebody's salvation more than a cheeseburger <laughs> in your life? Which is just like a that's a hammer of a question. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever desired a sin in your life to die more than lunch tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And that's like super convicting question, obviously, because most of us go about our lives not caring about those other things, those really important spiritual matters, but we're, you know, really hangry when we miss a meal. Um, and so that, yeah, that question is just brutal. Yeah. It is. I think it's great to like, okay, I have this person in my life that's close to me that is lost spiritually dead um i have this sin that i want god to help me kill uh i am 
concerned. I'm like, I know that abortion is wrong in America and my heart does not feel rightly about it. I want to feel rightly about it. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to fast. Yeah. And uh, one of the one of the points of fasting, I actually remember it's from the book from Derek Prince, which yeah, if I remember, I'll put in a link in the in the description. But have we got? Um, basically, one of the quotes from there is that uh, it might not be word for word; it might be a paraphrase, but it's the body makes a terrible master, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the ideas. So it's a good servant, bad master. Right. Yeah. You you don't want your body to be controlling your life, right? So think, think that's where uh, people become like gluttonous or something. Mm-hmm. Where do you really want to get to the point where you cannot control your uh, your eating? Do you want to get right. to the point where you can cannot control, um, let's say, your spending or your your want to buy things? Do you do you want to get to the point where you can't control? Uh, like your your sexual desire or something like that. Do you actually want to get to that point? Um, yeah. All right, that's that's the point of fasting right there. It's also preventative, in a sense. Uh, so you don't want your body to become your master. That is yeah. that is one idea where it's like that is a one of the worst spots to be in in a in a personal spiritual journey, right? Yeah, um, I think that's that's. A great point. Yeah. The quote for your body makes a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. So therefore yeah. our, our, our body must serve us and not the other way around. The spirit is the master over our body. Yeah. Um, our spirit, the mind of Christ within us, that is the master that's in the driver's seat. Uh, not our fleshly desires of just, I'm hungry, eat now. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be able to say no to our appetites, even that are like good appetites. So like, God created us to be hungry, to have food, to eat food. Those are good things. To have sex, to have sexual desire. Those are good things. We're not Gnostic. Uh, we believe the body's good. At the same time, we need to be able to rule over the bodily appetites and to mm-hmm. put them into submission. So, yeah, this kind of, uh, yeah, we want to call people to return to a Christian asceticism that's actually biblical. Mm. So, yeah, that quote's amazing. Body makes a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Yeah. It's really, really good. Other thoughts on fasting? Um, I think uh that's I think that might be that might be all I got for for what about yeah, what that, you that, do you have some other stuff? Uh I think we covered a lot of it. I think just that um yeah, I would just encourage people to try it. Um and to, you know, if you know that you are doing fasting correctly and that you're doing it for the right reason, when, uh, I've heard Don Whitney say this as well, when you're fasting and you get hungry and your first thought is, oh yeah, why am I hungry? Okay. Cause I'm fasting. And then your next thought, if your next thought is, when is this going to be over? <laughs> then you're doing it wrong. Your next thought should be, uh, oh Yes. I'm fasting for this purpose. I'm fasting to pray for this specific person or for this sin or whatever. That should be the appropriate response. And so when you're fasting, hunger serves you. Your hunger actually serves you and helps you along because it's the thing that's reminding you about why you're doing this. It's kind of your guide. Your hunger is like the guide of what you're doing, the guide of your prayer. Um, So 
see your hunger as a good thing when you're fasting. It's the reminder of, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So love it. So many good passages we could talk about with fasting as well. I love that that uh, in the early church, these passages in Acts, like 13 and 14, talk about how the, uh, the elders in the church are fasting before they're making decisions. So I think fasting can uh, be something if you're like really praying for discernment. If you are, people, t- people say this all the time, like, oh, I'm going to pray about this. And they say, just in sort of a glib way of, I'll pray about this decision I have to make in my life. Okay. I think biblically there is a place for like seeking God's counsel for discernment in a decision. That's a good, real thing. I'm not saying any of that's fake, but a way to do that actually is to fast. If you're serious about that, of I'm going to pray about it, then fast too. Fast and pray about it. Um, that is a way to actually take that seriously. Because oftentimes I think we say, and I've done this as well, <laughs> I'll pray about that. And then you don't even pray about it because you're actually not that serious about it. You just say it. Um, so pray and fast if you're like really concerned about, should I take this job? What Should I do this or this? Yeah. And that actually brings up some clarifications when it comes to that. I've had my students ask me this many times, but it's um, how do I know if something is the will of God? Right. So uh, one, before you go to the like, I would actually say fasting is a more extensive or extreme uh, discipline in this case. But let's say you did want to make a a decision. Uh, Obviously, Check the word of God, make sure it lines up with that. And if you also want to pray about it, you should definitely pray about it. Um, and and on that, I would say two things. One, don't trivialize it. So don't do it for literally everything. Don't be like, oh, what kind of water should I get today? I don't know. What's God's will? Um, no, God gave us the ability to make those types of decisions. All right. Yeah. Um, and and, and so that's one thing. Don't trivialize like prayer and fasting and like doing the will of God, right? Yeah. That would that would drive someone crazy. Right. All right. But also don't go to the extreme and uh, just be like, oh, yeah, let's uh, literally fast for everything. And, uh, like actually make sure it's done for for important things. Like if it is a decision for the family or a church or something like that. Yeah. If it's a big one, fast. All right. Yep. But if it's like, hey, should uh, should we hang out at the zoo today? I don't know. Yeah. Don't fast for that. All right. That's yeah. uh, that would be stupid. Right. It's a right. serious and occasional discipline. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just I'll just kind of end with this last uh, biblical passage, kind of emphasizing how uh, fasting played a role in Israel's history. So the story of Esther, this great book. Uh, about Israel under the rule of the Persians and Queen Esther. This is from Esther 4 and 5 and the example that she sets to the Israelites to turn to God when they're in trouble. So this is how basically the way in which the Israelites repented before God changed the entire course of history. Like today is different because of what happened then, because all of history, you know, follows one step after another. And so this is from Esther 4 and 5. I'll just read this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
she was a boss. That's that's a boss thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. On the third day, Esther had put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters, while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight, and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And so he basically gives her all the things that she asked for. And it is uh, basically she has favor because of this way in which she and all of the people of Israel, they turn to God. Mm. Um, and similarly, that passage I mentioned in Joel, this is in the same context of um, when God basically promises to pour out his spirit. It's the same place where God promises to pour out his spirit on all flesh with that gets fulfilled at Pentecost. But it is in response to Israel repenting and fasting. And so Derek Prince ends his book by saying, there is no way to measure the tremendous power released by prayer and fasting when practiced with the right motives and in accordance with the principles of scripture. And I think from these scriptural examples, he's saying mm -hmm. fasting did, we don't even know the magnitude uh, and impact it had uh, when Israel fasted on mass, things like that. Yeah. So it is a way to unlock, I think, uh, outpouring of the spirit to, uh, amplify our prayer to discipline our flesh all these different things to humble ourselves to respond to sin it is a way of invoking the supernatural it is a powerful powerful gift and a powerful discipline for us that i think we should return to so start small uh if you want to start fasting pray about it fast about fasting <laughs> yeah no uh but really you should uh start small be wise about it um do what you can do and I think it is a wonderful discipline. Any other thoughts? Nope, that'll be it. Okay. Well, this has been the Contemplating Christian, uh, Will Stevie and Samuel Webb, and we will see you next time. God bless. Mm -hmm.